Welcome to another beautiful day of NBA basketball talk here on Dropping Dimes. It's a special Monday edition Friday show uh, with my guest Ed here. Was scheduled, but then the NBA stopped and uh, figured we should uh, start the show back up once games resume because we'll get back to the the matter at hand, which is discussing NBA basketball. But I'm excited to have on a guy I haven't seen in quite a while, uh, Mr. Ed Greer. How are you, buddy? Hey, what's up, man? I am. I'm really glad to see anybody talking about sports. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's. I'm happy to be talking about sports. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's. Uh, it's good. It's, NBA basketball has uh, has been such a godsend for me and you and anybody else that is tuned into it just because it's been nonstop. It's like March Madness. Every day we get numerous games. There are games today. Mm -hmm. There's games tomorrow. It's fantastic. And we'll start off with last night's barn burner of a game between the Nuggets and Utah. Uh, Going into this, who (laughs) did you like in the series? I really liked Denver. It it was unequivocal. It was like, yeah, they're going to beat that ass because Utah's in disarray. They got injured dudes, yada, yada, yada. That that old uh, uh, go-bear pick-and-roll is not going to work against all the stuff that Denver can do, all this stuff. And then when Utah jumped on that ass, I was like, wow. (laughs) I was really surprised. I I agree. I I picked Denver to win it, and I was like, ah, with – with Bogdanovich being out, they really mm. need his scoring. Although exactly. Conley is finally finally playing, you know, he's getting the Van Vliet bump of I had a baby and now I'm hitting <laughs> shots left and right. And it's good for Conley. I've always liked him. He's a guy that should have made an all-star game by now, but just hasn't because the West is so stacked to guard. Yeah. And so he's playing well, but you figure Bogdanovich being out, it's like, okay, it's going to be all Donovan Mitchell. And get, I mean, last night it kind of was. Their offense was, yeah. hey, Donovan, please do something for us. Well, I mean, that's kind of uh, you took the words right out of my mouth, bro. Again, it's like Nirvana talking to an actual sports fan about this stuff, because as we talked about off air, so many people want to talk about these games without actually looking at them at all. And uh, when you really look at the game, it's increasingly um, disturbing that Utah's offense is. You remember that old Fresh Prince episode when when there was like the play is pass it to Will. You know what our other play is? Pass it to Will. You know what our other play is? Pass it to Will. That's what their offense is, and it reminds me of the old days of, obviously, they're different body types and everything, but the old days of how uh, Cleveland used to play with LeBron. Mm -hmm. Just like, here you go. You get the ball (laughs) as far as possible away from the goal and beat four guys and score. That's our offense, folks. And I know Utah runs something more complex than that, but it don't look like it is all I'm saying. Well, I mean, legitimately, though, watching it, Watching the game, it's going back and forth. You know, eventually, once once they they were you know getting into the the meat of the second half, as much because you could you could lay the same claim at Denver's feet as well and be like it was the Jamal Murray show and the other guys mm-hmm. were there kind of with, but they both shot ungodly. Jamal just shot even more just mm-hmm. ridiculous. Uh, Woody, I've got it right here in front of me. Jamal went. Nine of 12 from three, 75%, which is just bonkers. Uh, yeah, but he's got I, 70% overall, 70.8. I mean, it's just crazy. No, I mean, it, it's super amazing, but it is, to me, troublesome. I don't want to sound like one of these uh, clickbait guys, but like, if one dude is doing that much with all the talent that's on Denver, that's bad. You know what I'm saying? I don't think Utah is doing some great job of taking everybody else away. No, I think people are standing around watching Jamal Murray. And I think if you if you run up against 
you know, we'll talk about them later, but you run up against the Lakers or the Clippers playing like that, you are going to get your ass beat. You, yeah. you have to have significant contributions for people. like. And again, I think the reason why Denver's stuff is working better than Utah's is when you pass the ball to your center as a Utah person, you might as well throw it into the ocean. It's not it's not going to yeah. do nothing's going to happen from that. You're just going to get the ball back. It's like passing it against a wall. When you pass the ball to the center on Denver, you know, all types of creative stuff can happen. You know, people yeah. can get hit on back cuts. You know, people can get oops from him. You know, all types of stuff can happen. And I think that is one of the key differences that in the play of homeboy uh, Grant. That yeah, Jerry Grant. Hooping. He that is. He's hooping. He's finally the guy that OKC always thought he was going to be or, you know, the he moved around, but he was taken, you know, fairly high in the draft mm -hmm. and he had all the tools, mm -hmm. especially with Denver. Like they just got Gary Harris back for the first time in this first game since I believe February. Mm -hmm. uh, he hasn't played any kind of competitive basketball. Michael Porter Jr. has not had a good first round series, but he's also a rook. So you mm -hmm. are relying on. Jokic and Murray to do all this and they're both stepping up to the plate Murray I mean Murray put up three straight 40 plus point games the first time since AI in 2001 I believe mm -hmm. and there's only been four players ever that have put up two 50 point games and two of them are in this series and mm -hmm. Mitchell and Murray I mean it's just bananas I was joking on the last show that I did that like the Nuggets need to just go by the Enver Nuggets because if a dude hangs 50 on you twice, you don't deserve to have the D anymore. Uh, well, and now and you can also, say the same thing about Utah, one of the best defensive teams in the league. It's just like, dude, Jamal Murray. But he's also shooting 75% for three is just bonkers. Well, yeah. And I, I just think when you look when you look at the way the team is constructed, I think they if you imagined Denver playing well, you imagine them playing with Millsap. But that isn't okay. the case right now. You know he's, what I mean? He's finally looking old. You know? And it's just like, wow, homie, like this is really interesting. This is like a team realizing that like maybe we need to leave some of the OGs behind and get behind the, the youth movement for real. Yeah, kind of need to. And uh, but and also I got to say, as a, as a Laker fan, boo me all you want, people. But because uh, uh, Laker fans really do suck, like straight up. I just want to say that I, I don't want to apologize for my people because sure. honestly, you know, you can't. We're not a monolith, just like a lot of other communities. But uh, Laker fans can be real assholes. So uh, I, I will say this, though. We draft well. You can't say we don't. Everybody we cast off is starting on uh, and balling out on everybody's teams. You know what I'm saying? We, Evisa Zubots, we gave away for a dollar, yeah, is balling out for the, for the Clippers. And freaking Jordan Clarkson is the – Donovan Mitchell is going to do what he does. Yes. But if Jordan Clarkson doesn't step up, this is not some series like this. You know what I mean? This isn't some long series like this. I think Denver would have beat their ass a long time ago without Clarkson's uh, contributions. Yeah, well, I mean, especially on the second team, it's basically Jordan. What what Mitchell is on the first team, you are that on the second team. We don't have any other scoring punch without you. And he had a bad game last night, and they were still kind of in the mix overall because Conley piled in a decent amount of points. Mm -hmm. Uh and I think, uh, uh, you know, for Denver, the biggest change for them is when they brought the starters out and the second unit came in and Miles Plumley was just this incredible spark plug that got everybody else going. He's running around getting offensive rebounds. I don't think he took a single shot, but his energy and intensity really got everybody else to kind of step up and take notice as well. And mm -hmm. 
realized this is a do or die game and it just was pushing them. Then you take him out and you put your starters back in and now they're all playing with the sense of urgency that they should have been playing from you mm-hmm. know, moment one. Uh, and they're getting contribution, you know, decent contribution from, you know, Jeremy Grant that you brought up, or Tory Craig, see if Gary Harris could play mm-hmm. even better in the next game. Michael Porter Jr., once again, he's up and down. Don't know exactly what you're going to get from him. Uh, but so long as you have the steady play of Murray and Jokic, I still think Denver takes us. I'm not going to you know, deviate from my original stance. I still mm-hmm. like Denver in this. And especially, I think Denver would make a more interesting matchup against uh, the Clippers just because they have a little bit more depth, whereas Utah, it's like, all right, Kawhi or Paul George is going to be put on Donovan Mitchell, you know, preferably Kawhi. And now anybody mm. else get a shot for us. Anybody else. And I think that's going to be a little bit more difficult as opposed to Denver. Okay, I like Jokic in the matchup against Zubac or mm-hmm. anybody else that they're going to throw up against him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you still have the Kawhi can shut down Jamal Murray, but at least they have some sort of advantage in other places and they have more depth overall than Utah. Mm-hmm. But who knows? Because Utah came out strong in game six. Maybe they come out strong again in game seven and just maintain that lead throughout. I mean, maybe, and like I said, I don't, I don't want to be uh, a, a a real dickhead about uh, Utah not really running stuff because obviously they run stuff. If you look at when they when they do their sets, they're obviously running something. Yeah. But it just ends up being, you know what I mean? It's like when you have four options and one option keeps getting used over and over again, you become, you know, predictable. So, and I think they're not being able to rely on like we've been talking about. There's very few other offensive dynamos on the whole team. So it becomes quite predictable what they're going to do. And I just think that's what Denver's going to win it. As I said earlier, I think uh, Jokic has a much better game this next one. I think Jokic balls out a little bit. Like I'm talking about, like, I think like eight assist type thing, like uh, eight assists, like 22 points because he just camps himself and decides like, look. I'm just going to be big for a minute. And I, and that's why I think a lot of uh, there's going to be a lot of scheming if Denver gets past these guys and gets to the Clippers. I think this, it's going to be an interesting matchup of do you just go, well, we're not going to play Evita. We're going to play Montrez and we're just going to run, run, run. I know the Clippers are a little bit methodical, but like in the playoffs, everybody goes nuts, you know, because that's what yeah. you do. You play a certain way the whole year and then you whip out all the trick plays that, that Andy Reid stuff right now that's what basketball coaches do they whip out this like i've seen more uh and i know we're gonna talk about them later but i've seen more lebron james and anthony davis pick and rolls in the playoffs that i had seen almost the whole year it's they, just, they don't use it they yeah. want to whip it out you know exactly it's, it's what i always wanted golden state to do which is like once they get into the playoffs it should be curry durant pick and roll pick your poison who, who yeah. are you going to choose? And it's they, all poison. It's for real poison. Sometimes it's yeah. like poison, Gobert or Donovan Mitchell. I'll take the Iocane powder that is uh, Gobert. I'll yeah. be able to live that. I've been building up an immunity. But I, I ain't taking no no venom, none of that venom from Golden State. You're right. To make, uh, make both ends of your pick and roll be absolutely deadly, Yeah, there isn't too much to do about it. And you could get that with Denver if Murray keeps playing at this otherworldly. And who knows? Who knows if this is legitimate? Because Jamal Murray has been up and down in the playoffs this year. He's been, you know, up, but he's obviously hit a level. I think Kenny Smith put it best of like I, he, and to quote him, in essence, it's I envision him being a good player, but in no way did I ever see him basically climbing the mount 
and becoming mm-hmm. a Pantheon kind of playoff level if he can continue to do this. And who mm-hmm. knows? There's no way he shoots 75% again from three uh, <laughs> on 12 attempts. It's just, it's asking too much. Well, I, I just think he's one of those guys who his whole game elevates the more he plays offense. Because like I've seen him do a little sneaky defensive stuff. He He's scoring so much that he's getting little, little uh, like wolf steals, you know, when you come up behind the guy and nobody tells him and you just get a little wolf steal. Yeah. He's, he's getting little stuff like that. Little, little knickknack stuff. I'm seeing in the games that he's, he's contributing. He's not a great defender at all. I'm not trying to give him any props like that, but I am saying yeah. he's crafty on that end and preserves his energy and just on offense even that we saw that move that that one that playground ass movie did uh towards the end of the game when he sort of just uh he was even surprised at himself you know yeah He's oh that really, was that little finger roll yeah yeah he, yeah he is straight up as they say in the zone he's in flow state for real you that's wow. what flow state looks like well and him him and i, I see, i've seen him and mitchell these battles they both mm-hmm. get in the flow state where it's like that pull up it's almost like the ball is out of your hand. By the time you gather, it's already out of your hand and it's through the net. And you don't even realize that you did it. That's and, what the flow state's like in a basketball game. I know you've probably experienced it too. But watching it late in that game, every time they rose up, you could tell when it was going in just by the confidence they were exuding. And I just, because I, I do that when I'm watching, I guess to myself, if it's in or not, just given like if they're squared up, if it looks mm-hmm. like a shot that they routinely make, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And Numerous times they both had step backs or sidestep threes. And as soon as they rose up, you're like, that's going in. I don't need to see the mm-hmm. release that is going in because they're both playing with such confidence. I can't wait for game seven. It's going to be awesome. Uh, hopefully yeah. it's just like game six, where it's this back and forth heroics from both sides. And mm-hmm. we get another just beautiful masterpiece from the, the two of them, but we're both picking Denver to ultimately win out. Yeah. So, I, I, w- I would personally just want to see a team, a team effort from both of them. I want to see a game in the one thirties because everybody decided the ball, you know what okay. I mean? Like not just two guys trying to battle for supremacy. I'd like to see maybe one twenties, a game like that, where it's like, we get a bunch of points, Jeremy Grant, a bunch of points from, uh, 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 Craig, a bunch of points from like, where are these points coming from? Oh yeah. God, this guy got hot. Michael Porter jr. Got hot. He's got 22 points, but, uh, Utah's still up because, you know, XYZ players yeah. balling. Ingles, I want to see something Ingles like had that. had a good game. Ingles, or, yeah. yeah. Yeah, Clarkson got it going on the second unit, and now they're playing him late in the fourth because they need the ox- extra offensive punch, and he's had a good game. Yep. Uh, yeah, if they had Bogdanovich, this this would have been a tougher series to call because he's their second leading scorer, and to lose him, uh, just, I don't know. It, it Basically, they reverted to what I anticipated from them, which is, Donovan, mm-hmm. we need you to do something. And exactly. Perhaps and just, that went out. Yeah. And people have definitely talked all the stuff about the chemistry between him and Gobert. I, I know you're not a gossip show, and I'm not about that. I don't think that's it. I think when you get out on the court and you just you run your sets, you know what you're supposed mm-hmm. to do. It doesn't matter if homeboy touched all the microphones or does none of that yeah. matters in that moment. And in those moments, I'm seeing an intense amount of chemistry between homeboy. Homeboy's picks is like little like he does like he does like the I'm gonna come up and, and set my feet and do this type of picks, but he's always brush screening people all throughout the whole game. He's always holding dudes a little bit, uh, put, put, putting people in jail a little bit. No, not, not in a bad way. I'm saying yeah. the whole game, Gobert is trying to hit people so that Donovan Mitchell can go right past that person. 
and or rather that collection of people who are screened by that action. He's doing it literally all game, like a Roomba, just bang, 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 banging off of people the whole game. That's very important. Uh, so I think that that speaks a lot to chemistry. So I don't if they lose, I'm saying is dead. This it was a chemistry problem. It was a matching yeah, up with Denver problem. They just didn't have the same offensive punch. I think I agree. I don't. It doesn't seem to be any discord between the two of them. They seem to be mm-hmm. fine. And that, uh, you know, I've read a couple of different accounts from Utah reporters and be like that. That was bubbling to the surface, regardless of whether or not COVID happened. So mm-hmm. maybe they needed this dust up to move forward. Who knows? But mm-hmm. let's move on to the uh, other elimination game of the, the day yesterday, which is Clippers uh, versus the Mavs. And much as Luca wanted to put up a Herculean effort, it just wasn't enough without Porzingis. And if Tim Hardaway Jr. and Seth Curry are going to have bad games and Trey Burke is going to, well, Curry had an okay game. Trey mm. Burke and Tim Hardaway Jr. both had bad games. If you're not going to get any scoring around you as good as he is, you just have no real shot against the depth of the Clippers. And even with Paul George having what we become accustomed to now, a playoff Paul George stat line of mediocrity, <laughs> the Clippers still had enough to win this game quite easily. Marcus Morris being the cheap, shitty player that he is, gets bounced. they still have enough. Uh, I love that he is fucking quote after the game five of I would never do anything dirty and be like, dude, you straight clobbered him in the head twice. You fucking prick. Uh, I, you know, I, I kind of hate that I have somebody with the same DNA as him on my team. But anyway, um, I really think that uh, the Clippers, I think the Clippers are playing with their food a little bit. I know that it was inspiring you know how Luca had you know balled out earlier, but like those were Herculean efforts and that step back. I mean, shooting like thirty percent, thirty point one or something percent from three uh, at that time, and he takes a super duper step back that's going to live for all time. Yeah, and he hits it. But the fact that it took that to beat some dudes who were playing bad, and Paul George was kind of playing bad. That's you know what I'm saying. It's it just points to sometimes I'll see like like uh, I'll see somebody ball out and I'll go, that was your best effort. Good job, guys. Yeah. But that that great effort means you're done because it took that. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah, most it took of the time, every last yeah. ounce yeah. to get yeah. this win out of you. And watching the game last night, you know, I tweeted out at one point, uh, the Mavs were five for 25 from three. I mean, nobody could hit a three. And if you're going to shoot that volume and only make five of them, you have no chance. You have zero well, chance. And they had to, they had to shoot that volume because who's beating their man to get a dunk, you know, yeah. who, who who's beating their man to even threaten to get a dunk. And I hate to boil the game down to that, but like the game is you threaten to get a dunk. They collapse. You kick it out to somebody who's open for in these, in this era, a three and my old man era, a mid range or a three. And yeah. uh, that's the, that's the game. That's well, be- the game. It'd be Maxi Kleba uh, or because without Porzingis in there, three and key is the game now. The, mm-hmm. the Rockets have proven that and it's affected. You know, it started with the Spurs, but it's it's the ripple effect has gone out. So you're right of if there is no threat to get a dunk from the undersized Trey Burke, the undersized Luke, uh, uh, Seth Curry, mm-hmm. the under, like you don't have the athleticism to be a threat there. So if you're not going to make your threes, then 
you have no real shot in this. And absolutely. But and, but go ahead. No, no, I was just gonna say, and uh, just just as the you know, the Luca Dodgers blowjob continues, and I gotta say, I'm not mad at it because he really oh yes. I yeah. The only I thing I can ding him yet. for is free throws. Yeah, exactly. That's like, it. Free, free throws and the and, and I even love the volume with which he shoots threes because he needs to shoot threes at that volume so that when he does a little hezzy like that, you think he's gonna gather and you just freeze for a split second, and that yeah. gives him that second to make up for your obviously superior athleticism and go by you because he's yeah. frozen. You, you can't be more athletic than him if you're frozen and he does it all game, just little faints, little, little, uh, 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 all this little stuff. It's, it's beautiful to see. And I, it, it's a really masterful, uh, I hate to say masterful dealing with, with any white player, uh, 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 even one from a foreign land. But anyway, uh, it's really, I don't want to say intelligent, even it's natural. It's that's brother ball. If you really want to know, what what he's doing i'm not saying he's playing like a black guy i don't want to even put that out there he's playing like a real true basketball player uh, steve nash did it michael jordan did it every yeah. move is potentially deadly every little shift kobe did it every little shift lebron kind of doesn't do it that much you know what i'm saying this every little well, move could be deadly to. because he's yeah because he's lebron but i'm just saying yeah, like you, you understand what i'm saying this 270 little, pounds with the agility right. of a fucking sprinter like, <laughs> yeah just physically, he is a different human. I, it's hard for me to believe that we're the same species of people. Like he's not the evolved <laughs> version of what I could be in a couple generations. Dude, it's, uh, it's crazy. So I'm just saying this is given Luca his props of the reason he can get by everybody is it isn't a surprising amount of burst. He's a professional athlete. Give him his credit for no. his body. But boy, he just freezes people with all these moves. And he's able to do that step back that that gets as much space as, as basically Harden step back. And it becomes this. He, he's he got this radius of deadliness around him. So like as soon as they get homeboy back who messed up his knee, uh, as soon as they get somebody with some spring to throw it to. When when he when he does a little hezzy and breaks you off and he gets past you but you yeah. catch up to him and and he and you're about to beat his shit and he has some some uh, athletic marvel to chuck it to, then you guys will be as complete as you can be and I, and that person can't be Porzingis. Porzingis needs to be spotted up somewhere while that athletic marvel's jumping and you're fainting that and then you go oh wait a minute they're gonna block homeboy's thing I'll kick it to Porzingis in the corner. That's when you're deadly enough to beat somebody like the Clippers. But this present team just doesn't have the athleticism. Well, I read the other day that uh, Giannis is, is all signs point towards right now from his camp and all that is that he's going to resign with Milwaukee. And there are teams that are going to make a run at him. Golden State, Miami. But apparently the one that's gaining the most momentum right now is Dallas. Because mm. you have Luka, this next level guy. He was on roughly the same timeline as you, even though he's a couple of years younger, but he's already proven that he is elite at this level. You couple that with Porzingis, it's like, dude, you'd have, you could do whatever you wanted uh, and you would exist, coexist quite beautifully with that. But yeah, they need to bring in that. And then um, their front office has already said the priority going into the off season is to get a bruiser, to get somebody that can stand up for, you know, uh, mm -hmm. Porzingis and for Luca that can scrap with the best of them. Because uh, mm -hmm. you need somebody in there. Otherwise it's not going to be, uh, Seth Curry. It's not going to be Tim Hardaway Jr. It's not going to be you know Trey Burke, who they got. I off mean, the scrap you know, heap. you know who would be good for them. I know it can't happen and everything, but we're just guys talking in the barbershop here. Not that I've been to the barbershop, uh, <laughs> but uh, basically uh, somebody like a, a Robert Williams type or a Mitchell Robinson type, 
somebody that plays the the Tyson Chandler back in the days role yeah. of okay, when you come in our lane, you will get beat up. That's just going to be what it is. And you know what? I've been playing this game for years, and you these guys know what I do, so they'll let me rough you up a little bit. And also, yeah. I will be blocking your shot on natural a lot because I do got springs and I and I have a lot of defensive principles in my head. So this is what you're dealing with when you come down here, you know. And I'm also setting crushing picks for Luca. Like when Luca, when when you see Luca just dribbling and doing this stuff, you know that you're about to run into a 2001 obelisk. You know what I'm saying? You know you're about to run into that. And yeah. that's that would raise well, everything up. Perhaps I mean that's what they're missing in Powell, who went down with that. Uh, what was it? Achilles no. tear. Oh, see, that's what I said. I, I said I said the the guy with the knee, but yeah, yeah. Powell Powell with the Achilles, because that guy could jump out of the gym, was relatively tough, yeah. and could shoot pretty well. He was like if Maxi Kleba could really dunk on you. You know, yeah, that's kind I mean, of how Powell played. Um, they were definitely missing him, but at the same time, they've he was gone for long enough to where they knew what their constituent parts were. This wasn't, this happened. in the Oh no, no, there's, there's no excuse that they, they decided to play little guy ball and it worked great. I mean, never forget this year with all the injuries they had and then the weirdness and stuff, Mm -hmm. they had the number one ranked offense of all time. My point differential. Although as, as they were talking on the broadcast between Van Gundy and Mark Jackson, Ed Breen, uh, or Mike Breen, rather. Do you think that's the number one offense of all time? I don't, but it's, well, no, it's just it's numbers, though. It's way that people, yeah. rep, you know, I remember the numbers we were using as kids and we were spitting those like they were super facts. So it's like, eh, is it the evolution of the game or is it like just uh, uh, fuzzy math? You know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, you could contextualize the numbers on some level to make them say whatever you'd like. You can fudge stats and whatever. They were a remarkable offense for a team so so little, and frankly, uh, like they were a bunch of little punks with a Euro young guy, and were able to put up a great offense in a man's league. Yeah, well, that's 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 commendable. When your two apex predators are white guys in the NBA, that should normally spell doom. <laughs> well, Porzingis is not about that life, though. Like, he, I mean, uh, 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 not that punk life. I mean, like, he he. There's a limit to what he can do physically because he's still a reed, and he still does the knee thing. I think he, I think he's still a little tentative on a lot of levels. So the fact that he's getting this amount of stuff done with some of his smooth dunks, he doesn't do power dunks. He do a little smooth slip past your dunk. Yeah. And then his spot up threes, like just the danger of somebody that big spotting up because w- when you close yeah. out to him. It's totally ineffective if you're not six nine or above. If you're a six four person closing out to Porzingis, you're not even there. When I I saw him at summer league after the Knicks drafted him, and I came back, and I uh, I happened to to through a friend meet Big Baby, mm. and we were just talking. Yeah. He's like, oh, he's got back from summer league, and he's like, "What'd you see?" And I was like, "I saw Porzingis," and he's like, "Oh, really? How is he?" And he's like, "That guy's legit." It's not bullshit Euro. He's not Darko. That dude is legit. And it's still, mm-hmm. it's, it's a matter of his health. Can he mm-hmm. stay on the floor or not? And before Absolutely. we close out with the Clippers, Daniel Salva in the chat over on the side, or what is it? Savwa, sorry. And I, I kind of agree with this. Yes, were the Clippers cruising in the Mavs series? I think on some level, yes. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Outside and, of Kawhi yeah. was giving you exactly what Kawhi gives you every game. I think it was, you know, the mentality wasn't exactly there the first few games for the Clippers. 
Yeah, and as has been said, you know, uh, a playoff P, quote unquote, uh, his play, I just think he is a guy who you just have to count on him as like a bonus. And a lot of times that bonus is going to be, like, I, I used to work sale jobs, and sometimes that bonus was bigger mm-hmm. than our salary. Yeah. But the only thing you could count on was your salary. You know what yeah. I mean? And yeah. I just think, uh, I think playoff P is that. You, you just go get your regular salary. He's going to D up the other guy, I guess. He's going to he's going to run around and he's going to because of, you know, the legend of 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 Paul George, get a little bit more gravity than your average player, your uh, uh, average replacement player, as they say. Yeah. If, if but, he could perform you know, at his actual level, then they would be a dynamic tandem that would be, un, you know, unstoppable. Mm-hmm. But playoff P, that, I think that was the first death knell. Anytime somebody Boy. gives themselves a nickname outside of Kobe with Black Mamba. Right. Anybody else that does it, you're like, I don't, that's false confidence. And that's a bunch of horse shit. And you've never, you had that one Eastern conference finals run with the Pacers when the East East has been weak for 20 years. So it's not much of a feather in your cap as far as I'm concerned. Right. Uh, yeah. I, I'm, and I'm not even dissing the Clippers. Like people diss the Clippers as a bunch of mercenary dorks who don't really have actual chemistry and don't get me wrong. That's what they are. But that is effective as hell for most of the season. Just look at what they've done. Mm-hmm. They have two two to three distinct units. Like when they put Jermichael Green out there, it's different than when they put Mark Markeith out or Mark Marcus out there, which is different than when they have Evitza uh, and Marcus and it's like they have these different configurations. They have like like just they yeah. really platoon their team in an interesting way. Sometimes their rotations are a little weird. But overall, like sometimes Landry Shamit gets way too much time. And I know Clippers homers will just love well, Landry. But, but like with Pat know. Bev Pat Bev out, right, you're gonna right. need to get more run from some of your other guards. And even when he comes back, he's gonna have to get himself back up to game speed. So you're gonna see more of Shamit or Lou Will coming in earlier than you expected, or mm-hmm. Reggie Jackson getting way more run than I ever anticipated. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and I wouldn't want to rely on him personally. Yeah. But. I, I think I, that's what I'm saying. Like, they're, they're, I think the only place they're in any way weak is the fact that, yeah, a lot of a lot of punch as far as their guards is a little small. And I yeah. think I think when we get later into the playoffs and they run into people with guards that can guard their small guards with bigger people, I think they're going to run into some stuff, you know. We'll see, though. They've got a good matchup in the next round if it's Denver or Utah. So, in essence, you're worried about – the Lakers, if the Lakers make it out against either uh, Houston or OKC, it looks like it's going to be Houston, although we'll find out today. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I've i said, you know what? I'm going to go with OKC and uh, seven in that one. And at mm-hmm. times they, sh- they show that, but now with Westbrook back and the fact that they managed to steal a couple games early, I think that, that Houston is going to take this ultimately. I'd still like to see OKC. Uh, well, but- OKC is interesting now, dude. Like, I, I got to say, like, they've been... Every time a team decides to not suck, you know, when they decide, you know what, we've had major blows to our, our level of player and stuff. We could just kind of go into a hole and just suck. Every time that team doesn't do that, it seems like for these for these process heads, it seems like this dumb thing to do. You're messing with your draft style. You should get a good draft pick. I love the fact that, you know, these guys don't think like that. I love the yeah. fact that they were just like, yeah, we, yeah, we got looted. So what? Now we got this guy and that guy, and we got to work this out. Schroeder and Chris Paul playing like almost equal minutes, it seems like, 
It's just a baller on some level. Their death lineup is those two plus SGA. So they have three point guards out mm-hmm. there. And they're actually, I, I mean, I love it because they're going up against, they have two competing philosophies. Houston is entirely three and key. This is all we do. And when Houston is lost in the series, it's because they've shot abysmally from three. Mm-hmm. And then OKC is shoots more mid-range and hits more mid-range than anybody else. And Houston's happy to give those up. So it's okay. Whose philosophy is ultimately going to win out in this? I say I like the collection of talent. I think it's stronger on OKC. It's just the top end of Houston is so much heavier, and it's because mm. otherwise Houston you're going to have to rely on uh, Jeff Green. That's great. Jeff Green. I have one good game and then three mediocre and then one good game and just <laughs> D- Daniel House and Ben McLemore and mm-hmm. it's like all these guys. I have no fucking clue. Like. The, the bubble resurgence of of Austin Rivers. Get the fuck out of here with that. Because I have watched, I, I go to three to five Clipper games minimum a year. I've watched a lot of Austin Rivers live. That's a bunch of, I mean, that is fucking pyrite fool's gold. Uh, so you got a couple good games out of them. Not going to happen in a legitimate playoff series. Even if they win this first round, it's like, okay, now you got to take on the Lakers. The fuck are you going to do? Uh, well, I was saying something like I like I said earlier. I was saying something similar to that about Jordan Clarkson. Like looking at Jordan Clarkson ball this consistently for Utah, I gotta see it as fool's gold because I didn't see it before. But then that's obviously just fan bullshit, like not not allowing them to evolve as players. But sometimes they are who you thought they yeah. were. <laughs> sometimes. See, Clarkson has been on this trajectory of he's gotten a little bit better in that role and a little bit better and a little mm-hmm. bit better, and then he's proved it out over the course of the season of that's exactly what they need off the bench. The spark plug that just hunts for his own shot at all times. Whereas Austin rivers, I have watched you play in any conceivable situation. <laughs> You're putting up 40 some odd is anomalous. You're not going to do that mm-hmm. again. No, uh, I, I am. I am definitely a non you and I could bond over not liking Austin rivers. I, yeah, I not, can't stand that kid. No watching it. I've watched him play so many times And that. Do you ever seen the video of Blake Griffin making fun of him? Where he, he mimics his he dribbles way too much and then just hoists this three that fucking flies and misses gotta, the rim entirely. I gotta watch that. You know, it's back when they were on the Clippers and watching be like that shit is true. I don't know how many times I've watched him like crab dribble dance around at the top of the key for seven <laughs> seconds to ten seconds and try and penetrate four different times. The defender just has to move their their feet twice. They're in front of him every time, and then he just kicks the ball over and be like, "You wasted ten seconds to do what exactly?" I, I don't want to cast aspersions, but my man Jordan used to do that all the time. Jordan Clarkson yeah, but he was, used to do that, that like all the time. Year one, year two, when he was with the Lakers, and then he moved yeah. on to the Cavs. Uh, it's yeah, like uh, he stuck around for a minute, and uh, we really thought you know we were gonna do a lot of stuff, but uh, but yeah, I, I I get I definitely get what you're saying. All the dancing and all the bullshit up to take a bad shot. It reminds me of that kid who got messed up. Uh, he used to play for the uh, Milwaukee Bucks, and he scored a lot. But he Brandon Jennings. Oh, he, he, he scored a lot, but yeah, he really wasn't was, good. He like no, scored a lot, but he really wasn't good. It was like he hit this slipstream, this Jeremy Lin. I'm not saying Jeremy Lin isn't good, but this, you know, Jeremy Lin sanity type of slipstream of just, wow, look at you. And then it goes away. Like, the, the, you know, your ruby slippers come off. Well, because he came in with all the hype in the world and then he didn't live up. It's like OJ Mayo. OJ Mayo oh, came in as the, man. this dude is going to be huge. Out of high school, they were talking about he's the best prospect we've seen in, you know, forever. And then he came into the league and, he was a you know journeyman kind mm. of role player, never really fulfilled the potential. And Brandon Jennings was a lot of confidence and nothing really to back it up on the court. 
So do you think Houston? So you think OKC is going to win uh, the I series? I shows them originally. I I think now Houston is going to take it because of the addition of Westbrook. Because that's kind of what I think. It's just yeah, Westbrook coming back to because like the thing is, this is my thing. I don't like Houston. I don't like that style of ball. I don't nope, the, so. all this, all this kind of, you know, I, and it's, and it's sort of a generic hate on that at this point, but it's well-founded. It's well-founded the hate for that style of ball. I'm sorry. And it, cause it reminds me of like, like shitty college basketball where they just sort of pass yeah. it around the perimeter until somebody takes a bad shot. And then sometimes it goes in and all the cheerleaders jump like, like, so, like they did something, but it was just totally piss poor basketball. I, a lot of their offense is that I'm sorry. And I grew up, thinking that Tony was the shit for the Suns. You know what I'm saying? Because of that that penetrative act, you know, uh, thing of it. And yes, Houston does that, but they do it from the ball that I can't stand. When I was a little little kid watching basketball, mm-hmm. I was I was a Knicks fan for a second because I liked Latrell Sprewell. I liked the fact that he choked his coach out. I liked <laughs> Allen Houston's mid range Jays. I liked the tough the Anthony Mason types. I liked that whole thing. And once they got the next team of like Allen Houston and Latrell Sprewell, their offense was literally Latrell Sprewell or Allen Houston pivoting 35 feet from the cup and going against four guys and trying to yeah. get up a J. And it was the most awful basketball I ever saw in my life. And that's, too much of what Houston's basketball is. They pass around the perimeter until somebody takes a bad shot and makes it because they could shoot. Or they have Harden try to beat four people. He does it miraculously, gets fouled, three-point, and everybody thinks they did a good thing as far as offense. That shit sucks. And with Russell, it's just, hey, race it to the cup. And he just runs up there, and everybody has to run, and then they spread out, and it's more deadly, you know? Yeah, exactly. If They would be unstoppable if Russ never shoots another three and just constantly drive, get your mid range shots, which you're good at, like at the elbow and at the nail, but drive, make the defense collapse down and then kick out. And you've got a wide open Harden as a first option always. And guys, an excellent three point shooter, um, even at only like, you know, 36%, but at the volume he's doing it at, perhaps Mm -hmm. if you scale back the volume, his percentage would go up a little bit. Uh, but yeah, I think they are infinitely deadlier. And then when he gets back to this, I'm a good shooter from three point. It's like, dude, you're killing the offense because they don't need another shitty three point shooter at the volume they're shooting at. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think ultimately they're going to take that tonight. Um, yeah, I would love to see OKC make it out just because I find that team more interesting to watch. But well, no I also don't want. I don't want. And I've said several times in here, I'm a Lakers fan, but on some real shit, I think obviously if the Lakers play intelligently for the whole game, they could smash somebody like Houston because they're just too little. But they don't do that. They let Anthony Davis get flustered by all this little gnat ball where they run around him and they just sort of, if you're getting double teamed by two dudes who are 6'4", you are not being double teamed, period. You are not. That sucks. I hate how he he lets that stuff fluster him, and that yeah. is dangerous to me. I think that's the danger. Okay, see, I could see uh, Anthony Davis isolating on Stephen Adams and getting great shots all get sure. all day, all but day long. It, but 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 the offense turns into this idiotic. Like you remember, you play pickup and you have a tall guy on your team, and somebody has a small guy on the team, and then you just decide to keep feeding this tall guy who you never throw it to ever. He catches oops maybe sometimes, but he has no post moves. But all of a sudden, you're passing it down to him like he's Hakeem, and you lose 
because you decided to go to this advantage you thought you had. That's yeah. the thing that the Lakers do against Houston, and I don't want to see that. I do want OKC to win because if, if you know the ball, the balls fall where they end up playing uh, playing the Lakers, I think they just play more traditionally. And I also think that uh, uh, Chris Paul and uh, and LeBron James's conviviality would would I think LeBron James is doing a little bit of that Jordan stuff where you make friends with everybody, so when they beat your ass, they take it a little better. Well, yeah, him and <laughs> him and Melo embracing after. Mm-hmm. You know, the the loss the other night. Although hopefully Melo's back. He was a good fit for them. Doesn't help him on the defensive end, but at the same time, if they have a full season with that roster and Nurkic and just everybody's healthy. And you know, they were missing Rodney Hood. They mm. needed the extra scoring punch off the bench, which they didn't have. So once you got off their frontline starters, it's like who's gonna give me a basket? Oh, well, even Trevor Reza, right? You know, like yeah, we're talking about Portland, out. you know, who opted out, like a little stuff like that equals up to and you know and the collins like all like you're saying like i i felt a little bad for portland because i feel like on some real shit if there was a team a so-called one team that could have lost to portland's best it was those lakers they could have lost to portland's best well, with all their guys i think that's true but people just jumped on that too much they jumped yeah. on it too much people were like I was like, there's oh, yeah. a chance, but Jesus, what are you talking about? Yeah, Chuck calling for a sweep. It's like, that's never oh, going to happen. God. But you know, the Lakers' Achilles heel is everybody not named LeBron or AD. It's like, mm-hmm. uh, you're going to rely on KCP, Caruso, uh, Rondo once you get him back, <sighs> Dwight Howard, JaVale And Rondo, McKee. dude, my, I wake up in a cold sweat. And the nightmare I had is not spiders coming out of my skin or aliens. It's Rondo getting 20 plus minutes in a playoff game. That will. is a, it wakes me up in a cold sweat, dude. Yeah, I mean, yeah, your best options right now are Caruso or KCP. And I, I like Caruso. I mean, he gets undue coverage because he's a white guy on the Lakers. Mm-hmm. Uh, but KCP, I think, is fool's gold. Even when he has the good games, I just, he's so up and down that the consistency, if well, he was. I, the only, the only homer the game. Go the ahead. only homer thing I could say to absolve that though is the one thing they've done is build so many other weird swappable parts around LeBron and AD. I just think that they don't all swap well. You're right about that. It's like you know when you played a a, a gun game, you got 50 guns, but 30 of them suck. <laughs> and it's yeah, like 30 yeah, of them could misfire. <laughs> yeah, you know what I'm saying. So like I I do agree with you, but I just think that they kind of. The way they've been playing, and I think the way that they're going to play in this next series, I think you're going to see, and I'd love to come on later when this is proven right, it really doesn't matter that all those guys (laughs) could suck because there's so many of them that one of them isn't going to suck, and also AD's probably Uh, going to play good, and LeBron's probably going to play good. I just think, but you saw it happen. We we never had a consistent third guy. Everybody kept trying to make Kuzma the third guy. Oh yeah, Kuzma. I apologize. Yeah, we keep trying to make we keep trying to make fetch happen with this third guy. There is no third guy. There are two guys, and the rest of the guys just do what you can. When I throw it to you, I hope you make it. You know, you need, yeah, but you need somebody to believe that they're the third guy because otherwise, Dion Waiters is going to, you know, suck up that void. And I, well, Dion's not even getting to play. I mean, the, I know, I, you know, got, I, I think that's some Frank Vogel going, you're great. You're a good ball handler. You're a good playmaker, but you're a dumbass. And I just don't need that right now. Oh, dude, he's the, he is one of the most frustrating players I've ever consistently watched. I do not care to watch him play. 
Just, Dude, I, I, th- I think Frank Vogel agrees with you. That's what I'm saying. And I, I feel like a lot of basketball fans who just like the razzle-dazzle are like so concerned with the fact that Dion isn't getting to play. And I'm just like, Frank Vogel is seeing something in practice. The same thing he's seeing as far as Kuzma's defense. Kuzma thinks he's the third person on offense. You're right about that. But he's not, and he's not going to be probably this year. But I do think he's their third person on defense. He's the only other person I know of that's actually a large that plays good defense yeah. now. He used to play very poor defense, and I understand people having the take that is old, that he still plays poor defense. Now he plays passable to good defense all the time and sometimes plays good on offense. That's your third guy, and that's as best as you're going to get, Lakers. <laughs> yeah, that's your wing defense is entirely suspect, especially losing Avery mm-hmm. Bradley. Very uh, much so. The pressure you see, you see it when KCP and even to a certain extent, Alex Caruso. Alex Caruso does it better than KCP. But when KCP picks you up full court, so the fuck what? When Avery Bradley picks you up full, full yeah. court, you you worry about getting ripped. You worry about like ah, oh, this is guy. But when it's KCP, you just got a guy doing cardio next to you. You know what I yeah. mean? Yeah. It's, but at the same time, the top end talent of the Lakers is is. Bar none, the the best two way tandem uh, left in the league right now. So, well, I mean, just when you, you look, still up, have that, uh, you know. I, it, but and the, and I'm just sorry, like that's one thing that I feel has been almost like almost downplayed. Like Laker fans put way too much stock in it, frankly, because I've seen both of them play good and us lose, and I haven't seen both of them play super good at the same time that often the whole year. That's still oh, they got did me that shook. last game. I mean, they, they put that, up with yeah. 76 points between the two of them and had a hell of a stat line. But, and that's what we always envision every game as as so-called as Laker fans. But like that doesn't happen that often. There, there's other dynamics to it. And there's the, the like I said earlier, two six four guys jumping around like little oompa loompas around Anthony Davis. Yeah. One foot from the cup makes him pass it to Danny Green or KCP. That is ridiculous and needs to stop for us to really take the, oh, yeah. the next level. You know, Danny what I'm saying? just so having like, a terrible shooting bubble performance, but uh, yeah. let's let's move on from the Lakers. So the uh, second round officially opened yesterday with the Celtics and Raptors, and in my opinion, whoever wins this wins the East. And I agree. I I like the Celtics just a little bit more than I like the Raptors. That and, you know, you can check the tape. You can go back on previous. I said it on the last show that we did last Wednesday. So I give a slight edge to the Celtics. I think. They can if they can make it out of this series, then they have the depth even without Hayward uh, to take the East. But where do you see this one ended up? How many games? Who do you like? You obviously said you favor the Celtics, but um, I, I I favor the Raptors going into it, okay. and I don't think I'm swayed by this one game. But I am concerned by the fact that at a certain point you just can't match up, and we just maligned Danny Green. And I I get it. He's not playing good offense. But Danny Green shows up somewhat on defense every game, at least at least with a veteran moxie and the little little weird stuff, little tip steals, little little bothering pull your jersey stuff. He he's there in a way that a lot of people aren't. And and overall, Toronto has been pretending they don't miss that. But they have. When you start Fred Van Fleet, you do not have what I just said on the court. You just don't. Yeah. And you you don't have the same amount of deterrent. And obviously you don't have Kawhi. I'm not going to belabor that because Spicy P, uh, uh, you know, has stepped yeah. up so much. Pascal but Siakam. Is but, he legitimate? That's my my question with Toronto. I need to see Siakam become what everybody assumes he is. His trajectory is taking him towards being. And he had a bad game in this first one. 
Although, granted, they shot like 20, 25, 26%, something along those lines from three. Like, they did not have a good game. I can look it up real quick. Uh, so, well, yeah. yeah. Uh, well, and while you do that, I, I, I do agree with that. And I, I think that when you're that small, you run into the Dallas situation, right? You need to play right. You need to play at a nice pace to get your threes up. You need to have good spacing. And you're not really getting the penetration that you would otherwise. And obviously, if Pascal Siakam isn't beating his man to the rim, uh, you know, what's his name? Serge, Serge Ibaka is not beating anybody off the dribble. No, no, no none, there's there's like very few people besides maybe Kyle Lowry that could just get into the lane. And even Kyle Lowry's not super great, great at that. But he does use his body well. And he has a nice little halfway old school uh, uh, Gary Payton game sometimes. Where he can get kind of big and little yeah, tough. Yeah, a little bit. He can be annoying and, and be a pester. Yeah, I mean, and I'm talking about even on offense, sometimes he'll like post a little bit and like just uh, do some weird stuff. I'm like, ah, oh, that's cute. That's some uh, high school shit. But uh, yeah, so anyway, I'm just saying as far as institutional knowledge, Nick Nurse's uh, system that was balling out so much last year and obviously Kawhi was part of was the system in a, in a big degree. But uh, I, I get why I was intrigued by them as far as somebody who has been counted out as a as a as a candidate to repeat like the whole time. But I'm starting to see that athletically, the Celtics got those dudes. I I, I think athletically, okay. they're going to overwhelm them. And controversial statement, I think Horton, uh, Hayward being out helps it. Because I love Hayward. I love the fact that like he's kind of embraced the fact that he's the great white hope of Boston. And he doesn't have to be their best player. Yeah. He has to be a good mascot. He has to move the ball to different people. He has to make sure the offense flows smoothly. But I got to say, controversially, getting the ball to super athletes more because you're not passing around, you're not playing Hoosier ball anymore, you're just sort of running a system that gets to the point and gets it to the people who can ball, that has helped them immensely. And that is directly, in my mind, from homeboy being out. They've gotten more deadly and aggressive recently than I've seen them in the past, which is why I had taken Toronto over them. Okay. I think if like the biggest pivot for, for the series on some level to me is the center play. And last night between time Lord and Theus, mm. you know, they ended up getting 20 boards and 20 points, but most of that came from Theus. And if he can be that effective, like he's a good player, but if, if Abaka and Gasol and, and Boucher and whoever else they're going to throw at him can't really match up with what the platoon of Boston is going to run out there, then Boston's top end talent is superior with Tatum is now, yes, he's in the conversation of he's in the top 20, 25 players right now in the NBA. And Jalen Brown has consistently shown flashes of feasty perennial all-stars in the discussion. Kemba, mm -hmm. his knee thing doesn't look to be as bad as, you know, the the four months off and coming back in and the rumors were that this could be an arthritic condition and it's not going to go away and he's just going to have to manage this much like Kawhi does with his leg. Mm -hmm. uh, but he hasn't, it, I haven't really seen much of an effect uh, of that. I mean, he did injure that leg a little bit in the game. Maybe the Charlie horse that he got will persist on and that coupled with the, the knee on the same leg maybe slows him down a little bit, but I don't know. I just, when you start looking and you go tit for tat matching up the guys, it's just mm -hmm. like the Celtics check more boxes. And I think they just have the matchup superiority. Uh, now, the Celtics, the, the Celtics bigs are more athletic. The Celtics wings are more athletic. The Celtics point guard is more, is more frankly crafty and offensively powerful, if not more athletic than Kyle Lowry. So, what, where's your advantage? I just don't see any advantages 
for them. I, I think it's their only advantage is institutional knowledge and championship experience. And we're yeah. gonna see the limitations of that, I think. Yeah, we'll see if this if if Siakam does make the leap, if he shows up and he plays like they assume he has the ability to do and is a the perennial all-star that he could be setting himself up for, then they're gonna be a tough out. But my question since day one, and I had them not making the playoffs just because, well, it's, you know, I figured this happens every once and again where a team rises way above their station type of mm. thing and losing Kawhi. Yes, they had a great record without Kawhi, but they also, that's the regular season last year. And two, they knew they had Kawhi in their back pocket whenever they really needed, you know, to play him. They can give him the rest, but they can also plug him back in. Um, but as evidenced by uh, the Utah Denver, there are going to be games where, hey, we need somebody right now to get a bucket. Look at if they were in the same situation with Philly that the, you know, last year, they had this this year where it's late in the game and we need somebody to take that shot. I guess they're going to defer to Siakam, but is that the best thing that they could be doing? Like, no, I don't know. Exactly. I don't exactly. know. Yeah, it's it's a quandary and I, I get what you're saying, man. And I think that they're going to run up against that. But to me, I think their power is a lot of the games that I saw them in, especially when they beat the Lakers ass. A lot of the games that they when they won, they were whooping some ass. They weren't having a bunch of nail biters. They were whooping ass with this almost Spursian. Remember that Spurs team that would just pass the ball 57 times per possession and you just never knew and the ball could travel faster than the man, as they say. So you were just always in scramble mode. If they walk the ball up, once they started passing, you were in scramble mode and you were just like, damn, I can't I can't deal with this. They were playing like that during the season. And I just think that's kind of bogged down in the playoffs at, uh, for obvious reasons. And I just think we're not having this conversation if Fred Van Fleet is six, seven and can do what Jalen Brown can do. If, if they had that and he was still like a shooter, like he is with Van Fleet, it, we're not having this conversation. I think the Raptors would have won that game. Not maybe not that game, but I know the Raptors would win more games in this series. I think it'd be, yeah, a much yeah, more competitive I, series. Dude, because of the matchups that we were talking about. So I think they're going to win, I'd say just a game or two. I know that's a vague prediction, but I'd say that for Toronto's going to win a game or two. But I think overall, we're going to see that the Celtics have so many advantages and just the confidence of these players. These players think that they could have been Toronto. And I think they're out to prove that we could have been y'all. We just had some misfortunes, but we could have been you guys. Had some bad injuries, some ill-timed late in the season type of stuff. Um, all right. Well, before we get out of here, let's move on to the last matchup that starts here in about 35 minutes after we finish recording this, which is Heat versus Bucks. And a lot of people are picking the Heat and saying like Heat and six. Um, I give a little bit more respect to the Bucks, but I think the Bucks' fortunes personally for me come down to Middleton. And can Middleton mm. give me anything? But who do you like in this series? Uh, I. I I think this is a tougher one to call than most just because I think Miami's thing is basically institutional knowledge and roughneck culture. Like they're all kind of roughneck mm-hmm. guys. They all try to defend hard, even when they're little dudes who, who cannot do that. They all try hard to do that. And they're instilled with this, uh, like we're underdogs, the world's against us type of thing. Like the, the Bucks feel like the king that hasn't been crowned yet. The Miami yep. feels like 
man, we weren't even supposed to be here, dog. They have that whole thing going for them, and their offenses are surprisingly egalitarian as far as who gets up shots. Like sometimes that Duncan Robinson kid gets a billion shots, oh, yeah. and they did but, just they they like it, you know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I, you know. Spreading around, I love starting Dragic. Just saying, mm-hmm. none. Listen, he's got the experience. We, you know, you'll get your minutes when we can get you your minutes. But right now, we need a steady hand. And for him to take that demotion, having started fifty-seven or some some odd games during the regular season, and to know I need to basically subvert my ego if it means it's going to help the team. I am here to help the team. They all have this kind of camaraderie, and this bonhomie of of I'm. We're all in it to win it, type of thing. And that culture really does rival well against the Bucks, And as I said, you know, in the start of this, if Middleton shows up and plays well, then I think the Bucks can easily win this in five games. I think mm-hmm. it's totally I, conceivable. I agree with that. Yeah. I'll give him a gentleman sweep. I don't say they straight out sweep, but if Middleton plays as good as he is capable of playing and doesn't have the playoff jitters where it's up and down one game, you get 26 and the next game you get, you know, 12 mm-hmm. uh, and he shoots a piss poor. If if Middleton shows up, then I think the Bucks are going to be unbeatable for this team, uh, and they win out. And it's kind of a cop out because I I'm still going to choose the Bucks because their their defense is so stout, and the Miami needs like the Duncan Robinsons to shoot really well, and to Jimmy not to shoot threes until apparently late in game against the Pacers. He shot 26%, I believe, on the season. He went mm-hmm. two for two on two straight games. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it was always late in the fourth quarter when they needed a three. Like, basically a break in case of emergency type of thing. Don't shoot the three until we really need it because we have other guys that can shoot the three really well and mm-hmm. find your flow within the offense. Uh, but it's conceivable yeah. Miami could win this, but I do favor the box. I, I think the, 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 the diagram for how Miami wins it is thus. Middleton sucks without Jimmy having to guard him. If Jimmy doesn't have to guard mm-hmm. Middleton that much and Middleton still sucks, yeah. I think unless the DiVincenzos and the Bledsoe's yeah, and the people Hill like that, Lopez's. they have to ball out. If those people can ball out to absorb Middleton not balling out, that's one thing. But I just don't know exactly how that happens because I feel like Kelly Olenek matches up very well with uh, with – both Lopez's I feel like Bam is a matchup nightmare for both Lopez's as far as the transition game uh you don't think you they'll know. put Bam on uh Giannis I think they're gonna try to do that and it's not gonna work really quickly I like Bam I like him a lot and I know that over the course of the series that may have happened it may have been somewhat effective but this particular Giannis that we're dealing with right now, fresh off winning the deep, the defensive player of the year, fresh off of like, I think we're going to see a Jamal Murray esque uh, uh, Giannis game. I think you're going to see Giannis like doing some shit where you're like, damn, in this game, because he's going to, this is his first game after all that, the controversial stuff and the boycott and this and that. Yeah. I just really think he's going to fuck shit up this game for real. And I think once you once Miami sees that that no matter you can't put Bam out of bio, God bless him. That dude's six seven with no shoes on, bro. There's not too much you're gonna do when when the 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 hurricane's coming for you, brother. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's there's not too much that anybody on the Kelly Olynyk versus Giannis is a joke. Bam versus Giannis to me it, it, in playoff mode is a joke. So I think. I don't know how you absorb that. You could wall up all you want. Once you wall up against Giannis, hopefully 
Giannis's shooters will come to play and Middleton won't have to be beating uh, Jimmy in any sort of dribble drive or anything like that. He'll just be able to have, you know, somebody screen for him and he just mm-hmm. pops out and just hits a nice practice J because everybody's collapsing, trying to stop Giannis from dunking on everybody. You know, I, yeah. I just think that's going to be more what it's going to be. Now, if Giannis is somehow neutralized or somehow injured, this shit is basically Miami's to lose. But as yeah. long as well, we have that happens for sure. Yeah. Yeah. But as long as we have juggernaut Giannis and Giannis scoring at least 25 points and dishing out maybe f- six assists. If we get that level of Giannis, you guys yeah. are done. And you'll still get his 12 boards or whatever mm-hmm. it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. It's, it's, can George Hill through the regular season? I believe he was the best three point shooter in the league this year. Can he show up and give you that? Dude, Will- Bledsoe, how does Bledsoe score? How, how yeah. does if, if Bledsoe can just use those 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 muscles he has? He's a little like those little muscle guys used to buy for twenty five cents out of the thing. You know, he's a little he's a little walking muscle. Get get somewhere against Dragic and beat his ass up. It doesn't matter if it's traditional point guard offense. Give give him the ball on cuts against Dragic. Give him something to where he can just concentrate on laying the ball up rather than trying to shoot over everybody because he's obviously not a playoff player as far as shooting the ball to me. Well, but I think he uh, can get in and do some interesting things. Yeah, I had a, a Bucks fan on the first show, and he was saying that his hope is that so Bledsoe gets antsy during the playoffs and mm. perhaps with the lack of crowd, there'll be a reduced amount of that energy. So he'll be more free flow within like, okay, that's interesting. Like that could be one of the side effects of this. Cause a lot of guys saying, and I bet you now Jamal Murray and, and Donovan Mitchell and others would, would agree that because there's no crowd depth perception is really easy to key in on. So it's a shooter's gym if you can lock in. Mm-hmm. So they're, uh, you know, side effects of this bubble situation in Orlando. So perhaps for Bledsoe, uh, it is that and they're talking about uh, the potential landing spot. If OKC decides to try and move Chris Paul is Milwaukee and to upgrade Bledsoe for be interesting, but do they want to kind of swallow that kind of contract? I mean, it, yeah, yeah. If it doesn't work out, then they Giannis is out because it's, that, that team is capped. You know, they're just hamstrung. No. Yeah, but, you're right. You're right. I absolutely agree with that. But getting Giannis, get, Getting Giannis, uh, just again, I hate to keep harping on this, but like a wing that can shoot threes and dunk on people, I, it's still the most valuable thing in basketball, right? It's become the most valuable thing in mm-hmm. basketball, and everybody agrees with that now. But when I was a kid playing like 2K and doing different stuff, I would always make a team of wings. It always made the most sense. You make a team of wings so that if they try to play big with you, you just outrun them. You just run their big people off the court. You just you, in his canter all their big guys. Just do that, and it just has come to pass in the league uh, to a great degree. But I yeah. still am old enough and old school enough to appreciate, you know, like I said, blowing the Lakers one that one last time. You know, uh, having a six nine guy that could do what he does, having a six eleven guy that can do what what AD does, that's like having a super big wing. You know what I'm saying? That's like having yeah. these these wings that can play like a wing that could play like a big man and a wing is more valuable than a wing that could play like a guard. If that makes any sense. You know what I'm saying? In my personal you, opinion. Yeah, you want well like the the modular piece that would fit on every team is Covington. A 3D yes. guy that yes. can play can can hold strong at the rim when you need him to because basically he's their defensive stopper on Houston. Him and mm-hmm. PJ Tucker, unfortunately, yep. six 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 seven has to go up against every other center. But somebody that 
that can plug and play with all these different systems because he Mm -hmm. has a skill set that is universal. Uh, Mm -hmm. Well, see, and that's why, that's why I just think when, if Giannis could kick it to somebody who's like, like just some uh, young Tracy McGrady before he got all the skills. I'm talking about Toronto, Tracy McGrady, just a shitty run and jump player, like a Derek Jones, a shitty run and jump player would really help my Milwaukee because their only real run and jump player is Giannis. He's yeah. constantly running and jumping and everybody else is waiting with their hands out. Like the white boys at the rec center, like, Oh, here we go. You know, uh, their whole team does that. So it's like, and and then occasionally Bledsoe tries to come in the lane and get a shit beat or, or throw it, you know, uh, not necessarily be able to take on three guys at the rim. You yeah. know what I mean? That's their offense. And it just seems to be like if they had a, another run and jump player or if Giannis could go somewhere where he was the run and jump player and everybody else could really spot up, but also run and jump a little bit. Like Luca could run and jump a little bit. He gets where bit. he needs to go. So like, I, dude, that thing about Giannis on Dallas, dude. Oh, that's I, brutal, dude. That is. I think I still think Golden State would be the most brutal. Just oh God, shut up, shut I up. Don't know shut who up. you do? Well, just you have two of the best shooters in oh, league history. Oh. So the spacing is going to be dynamite, and he'll have the lane whenever he wants. Oh. I hope he stays in Milwaukee for Milwaukee's sake and for small market mm. team sakes. Mm-hmm. But if you got to leave anywhere, man. Golden State makes all the sense in the world to me and the outside looking in. Wow. Yeah. Uh, if I if I was Giannis, I would be doing some. I mean, I think he's already doing it. I think he knows to play the LeBron game now, which is go to all the athletic events and tamper your ass off. Get get people to really like oh, yeah. your politic, glad hand, kiss the babies, and, and you know, all that stuff. Do all that stuff because frankly, if he could get a if he had Jimmy Butler. If Jimmy Butler was on Milwaukee, mm-hmm. they're they're the number one seed. They're gonna go to the they're gonna win the East yeah. easily and they're gonna beat the Lakers ass, the Clippers ass, whoever's ass when may, they go to may, the finals. Yeah, I, I really think it makes that. it interesting. It makes yeah. it interesting. Whereas if Milwaukee makes it out or anybody in the East, the Lakers and personally I think the Clippers are the team to beat. Mm-hmm. It's okay. They they have so much the only thing the the say the Clippers really have a fault at his center. Cause if Zubac, yeah. him and Harold are, are not ideal to go up against someone like AD. It's like, well, AD see should- that, yeah, but that's why I think the Clippers like respectfully, I think the Clippers against this Jimmy Butler, uh, uh, Milwaukee team, Jimmy Butler on Milwaukee coming to Clipperland. I think, yeah, he, I think Giannis plays all your centers off the court. And then it becomes this like, you, you got to use Marcus Morris to beat him up type of type of game. Okay. And I, yeah, he'll definitely do it. So I'll, I'll just in closing, I just think that, the, uh, but uh, I think that that team playing the Lakers just because you have somebody that can maybe even uh, we think that AD can match up with Giannis, but sometimes I see AD just, uh, I think AD is very capable of getting three fouls in the first quarter and a half on Giannis and fucking the whole game plan up. I'm, I think he's very capable of doing that. Well, because we've seen enough playoff experience or enough playoff from him where. It's still a question. He has all the talent in the world. Uh, but I need to see him go deep before you're like, oh, yeah, it's steady. Uh, he's going to be elite deep in the, the playoffs. Yeah, there are very but, few guys that we know that about. Well, yeah, but like I said, but Giannis, Giannis getting a run and jump athlete to come over there to help him out or one of those young guys. Yeah, Connaughton is a run and jump athlete and a good shooter. So don't get don't get me wrong. They do have athletes on the team. These guys are pro athletes. I'm just saying some sort of like really wing like two wings, one of whom is as big as Giannis 
uh, attacking you like a reasonable size wing and a super wing attacking yeah. you all the time. And then the center just sort of drifting off for easy corner threes while, while your big man has to trail him out of there. Just that could be so dynamic. And it's, it's so dynamic already with just Giannis doing it. I'm just saying two vectors of penetration sure. would, would really enhance them. So I hope he stays there and, re- and poaches somebody. I hope he pulls up, pulls a pulls a, a Kawhi and yeah. gets somebody. I'll believe it when I see it on a small market. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Yeah, unfortunately, they have a you know a mountain to climb. Uh, but who knows? Who knows? All right. Well, those are our thoughts on the concluding first round and burgeoning second round uh, of the playoffs. Uh, dude, thank you so much for joining me today. Anything you want to plug before we get out of here? Oh uh, yeah. Well, people can watch me uh, or you know read my little tweets on at uh, Edgar Destroys on Twitter and Instagram, and uh, they can watch me on my YouTube channel. Reboot it. Uh, we we kind of we reboot movies in about an hour as a group, and it's just like a live improv thought exercise. You know, we rebooted Star Wars, Lord of the Rings, Back to the okay. Future. We're crazy, so you can check that out. Reboot it on YouTube. Uh, just put reboot it and Ed Greer in there, and I have 150 episodes of the Nerd Goat podcast where we talk to interesting people about their favorite fictional character. So you can check oh, that yeah. out anywhere you get podcasts. Thanks, thanks for having me on, Matt. No, no thanks. Thank you so much for uh, coming on and. Uh... Yeah, if the Lakers uh, make it deep in, we'll have to have you back on. Yeah, just, just if they make the finals, if they make the Western Conference finals, that to me was de rigueur. But if they make the finals finals, I'll definitely come back on and talk some shit with you. Fair enough. Uh, all right, make sure to, to follow him at Ed Greer Destroys. You can follow me anywhere at Matt Knows. Thanks for tuning in to today's Dropping Dime. Subscribe to whichever feed uh, you listen to. I thoroughly appreciate it. And on your podcast app of choice, just leave a rating. Uh, five stars if you prefer. Or if I prefer, actually, rather. But <laughs> just leave a rating of some kind. I thoroughly appreciate it. And that is it for today's Dropping Dimes. Uh, there's not going to be a show on Wednesday. I'm just going to keep them to two a week, even though there's only one last week. So the, I'll be back on Friday with a guest. And uh, normal time at noon on Friday. So I'll see you guys then. And that is it for today's Dropping Dimes. Adios. I haven't ended the broadcast yet because that was the wrong outro. So I'll give you the right outro. That's to a new show that I'm doing. That was tight. Uh, I love the music. Yeah, thanks. Thanks. A guy named Andy Merriweather put it together for a show that you said you wanted no part of, you son of a bitch. (laughs) All right. We're going to close out today for Dropping Dimes. Thanks for tuning in.